Childhood days are great days. Do you agree with that? Great days. Some of the fondest memories we have are gathered during childhood. Now, I understand that we live in a fallen world, and uh, for some of us, uh, unfortunately, childhood days bring brought pain and some memories that we wish we don't have to remember. Irrespective of that, um, if you will bear with me, I'll ask you to join me as we journey back to those childhood days and think about the memories that you've gathered then. What do you hear? What do you see? What words came to mind? So think about one or two ways that you might describe that. If you were to describe or to tweet your memories of childhood instead of 40 characters, just enough to fit one word or two words, what would these be? So if you can help me preach this message, what are, what are some of these words? Shout them out. Carefree. Carefree. What else? Adventure. Anything else? Love. And if you still have your phone at this moment, you feel free to go ahead and tweet it and then put the phone away because <laughs> you're going to help me as we talk about this. Memories of childhood. When I think about memories of childhood, about two words come to mind. Two words come to mind. The word gift and the word dance. Gift and dance. Dance. I think about gift because when I held my children in my arms for the very first time, I came to understand really what, how precious they are. And I think about dance because when I started to think about this sermon, I thought maybe I should go and look at some of the pictures, some of the memories that I have gathered for, you know, over these years. And what I realized, there were so many pictures when I was dancing with Daniela and Sophie. But you may ask yourself, well, why, why am I talking about these memories as the precious memories? These are not my childhood. These are my kids' childhood. So why these memories and not others? And I think there are four reasons why I choose these. One, um, when you become a parent, everything in your life revolves around your kids. If you don't believe me, time will tell. And those of you who are parents here can relate with that. When you are a parent, everything about yourself kind of fades in the picture, and your children are all that matter. Two, I think about gift because the day I held Daniela in my arm in 2005, I realized I knew how limited I was in my ability to protect and provide. I became acutely aware of my own limitations, and I became also acutely aware of how much I needed to depend on God to provide for me, my father, 
to help me. The same realization came in 2007 when Sophie came into the world. So gift is important because the day I became a parent, the day I received those gifts, I became more aware of how much I needed to depend on God. Dance is significant because every time Sophie and Daniela will come and say, Papa, can we dance? Or I'll come to them and say, care to tango? <laughs> the kid comes out in me as we goof around the house, and I think that's why my wife, every time, runs and finds a camera and then just snaps a picture. And that's why there's so many of them. So these are significant moments, not only because I'm an adult, because of my realization of how much I need to depend on God. But I think this is significant, and I think that's the most important part of this all. What if, what if, Memories of childhood have less to do about how we view our own childhood. Less to do with our own memories of our childhood, but have more to do about God's memories of our childhood. More to do with how God views us, how God remembers us. And when we read in the Bible, God seems to cherish childhood days. We find Him using children times and times again, to do great things throughout the Bible. Samuel was just a boy when God called him. And there in the temple, when God speaks to him and gives him the message that was supposed to go to Eli about what's going to happen to Israel, what's going to happen to the family uh, or to the children of Israel. David was a boy, but a boy, Saul told him. You bought a boy. You need to, you can't fight this guy. And David had the courage to say, no, I'm going to fight and I'm going to win. We're not told how old Miriam was when she was responsible for Moses to make sure that this baby was taken care of and ended up where God wanted him to be so that he could be protected and eventually will lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Josiah, King Josiah, was only eight years, eight years of age when he became king. And although the, the, it would take 18 years for him to begin the Reformation, when the book of the law was found in the temple, the way the story goes is already at eight years old, he was leading the children of Israel in a way that only David had done before him, because by then they had gone away from God. Esther, again, we don't know how old she was, but the idea we have is this young lady who still need to depend on her uncle to guide her as she is chosen to become queen and eventually will be protecting and preserve the children of Israel from destruction. God cherishes days of childhood. We see that also in the New Testament. And the passage that was read today to us in Luke gives us a picture of Jesus Christ preaching about the kingdom of God. He's just left Galilee, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's journeying there, and he's going towards his death, resurrection, and eventual ascension. And he's beginning to preach about the kingdom. And in the context of him preaching about the kingdom, we find these words. 
people are bringing babies to him to, so that he can place his hands upon them. And his disciples are preventing them from coming to him. And he says these words, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What is it about children? What is it about days of childhood that make these ideal for entrance into the kingdom of God? I want to talk about I want to talk to you about several things that I think that Jesus Christ is trying to push his audience and I think he's inviting you and I today to emulate things about children that help in terms of our ability to enter into God, God's kingdom. Obedience, dependence and trust, and humility. If you have a younger brother or uh, sister, or if you have ever babysat a toddler, you, you know about table twos, yes? So I'll grant it, children can be stubborn, yes? But beyond that, it's clear that childhood days are also a perfect symbol for obedience. It's the time when they obey. And obedience is significant for us to enter the kingdom because from, again, Genesis to Revelation, it is the key, one of the key requirements that we see that God wants us to have. From Genesis to Deuteronomy, you've got Adam and Eve being required to, to obey. You have the children of Israel being required to obey. Obedience is the one, one of the main themes that go throughout the Bible. Just like disobedience becomes the thing that causes people to, be moved, to move away from God, separation from God. Obedience is rewarded with God's abiding presence. And disobedience causes separation from God. Obedience is a way of life. So you and I find ourselves every day to make a decision on are we going to obey God or not. And the way it goes sometimes is we have to make that decision daily because God doesn't act the same way. He is consistent, but each day he calls us to do something different. For example, the children of Israel were asked to get enough manna for one day during the week. And before the Sabbath, they needed to get enough for two days. And they needed to obey at each point what is it that God was telling them. So the key was for us to stay attuned with God so that when he may say a different thing in the same context, are we going to stick with what we think he was saying then or are we going to follow him today? Peter will pick up some of that when he talks in 1 Peter 1, 14 to 17. Like obedient children... Do not be conformed to the desires you had in ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. If you invoke as father one who judges impartially according to their deed, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Continued obedience. We find the idea of continued obedience in the story of the rich ruler and Zacchaeus, in the stories of the kingdom, the parables of the kingdom. 
The rich ruler comes to Jesus Christ and says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom? That's what he's talking about. And Jesus Christ lists all the commandments and said, great, I've done all of these since I was a boy, since I was a child. He's heard, children, yeah, I relate. And Jesus Christ said, okay, sure, now go do the next thing. Sell everything you have and come and follow me. You'll have treasures in heaven. But he couldn't do that. He was obeying before. He was being called to continued obedience. He wasn't able to do that. Zacchaeus, who possibly heard this, when Jesus Christ is with him and eating at his house, he says, Lord, look, everything, about half of my possession, I give. Some of your translation may say, I will give. But actually, it is half of my possession I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded somebody, I will repay fourfold. I heard what you said then. I'm willing to obey. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house today. Because he too is a child of Abraham. Obedience sometimes may bring to suffering. And we find that the children of Israel sometimes will suffer because of their obedience. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego commonly known as Rack, Shack, and Benny, <laughs> find themselves suffering because they decided to obey God. So I don't, I'm not giving you something, some utopian dream that if you obey God, everything will be well. There's a truth to that, but there's also the possibility that obedience may cause us to find suffering because the world is kicking back because of the way we're living for God. But Rakshak and Benny obeyed because they knew that they could depend on a God who was able to deliver them. And that's the second point, dependence and trust. Children are needy, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing because the beauty of childhood rests in a parent's ability to care for his children or her children. We find satisfaction in taking care of our children. So a child should not have to worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to sleep, like where they're going to sleep, what they're going to do, because this is the parent's responsibility. So to receive the kingdom of God as a little child is to demonstrate complete dependence on God on his ability to provide for our needs, to protect us in times of trouble, and to make us into the kind of people he wants us to be. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. What Jesus is asking the rich ruler to do at this point is to place his trust in God's ability to provide for his needs, not on his riches. Those who try to secure their life will lose it. And those who lose their life will keep it. It's not an issue of getting into poverty. It's an issue about depending on God instead of your own ability. And Peter will say, well, who can be saved then? And Jesus says, well, what's impossible to man is not impossible to God. Because salvation is about God. God is the one who's doing it. Our dependence and trust in Him 
enables us to get there. Dependence and trust is also demonstrated in the story of the judge and the widow who keeps coming back to ask for justice. He, she keeps coming back to ask for justice. And God say, Jesus says, if you continually go to God to ask, he will provide. That same persistence is probably demonstrated in the parents as they bring their children to God, to Jesus Christ. Can we see Jesus? Can we see Jesus? No, 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 no. These are children. Keep them away. Can we see Jesus? The blind beggar. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up. He doesn't have time for you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He doesn't have time for you. Or can you picture Zacchaeus? I mean, the song we normally sing is Zacchaeus was a... And a... Is the wee little man the fact that he could not jump on top of the crowd to see? Or can you picture Zacchaeus in the same situation with the children, in the same situation with the blind beggar, who can't come Jesus because he's thought of little by others. Yes? But his persistence allows him to come to Jesus and receive what Jesus Christ had to do for him. Entrance into the kingdom is reserved to those who, like little children, are willing to continue to cry out to God because he is able to do for them what they can do for themselves. The third thing here is humility. And we find humility in the parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And what we find here, Jesus Christ talks about a, a Pharisee who goes up to the temple and praying, and he's thanking God because he's so great and that he's not like this tax collector. And Jesus Christ, at the end of the story, will explain that the Pharisee actually goes home unrighteous, while the tax collector, who is downcast about his situation, finds righteousness. The kingdom of God belongs to people like children are generous in their assessment of others, and people who do not think of themselves more highly than they ought to. When we look at the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector closely, we find that the Pharisee shares several things in common with the disciples and then the crowd and the rich ruler. All of them enjoy unimpeded access to Jesus Christ. They come freely to him. Nobody blocks them. They, the Pharisee is able to talk to God. They all claim to be able to know who's in and who's out. Also, they all are able to control who can come to Jesus, whereas the tax collector, the children, Zacchaeus, all of them can't come to Jesus because the crowd is blocking them. They're viewed as sinners, unimportant. They're prevented from reaching God. But you find them also expressing their dependence on God. Humility. Because those who... Ex exalt themselves will be abased, and those who abase themselves will be raised. Childhood days are great days, days of dependence, trust, obedience, and humility. 
And you may ask yourself, what, what about going up then? If childhood days are the ideal days, what will we do about going up? I hope by now you have understood that what I mean by childhood days doesn't just have to do with age. But childhood days have to do with a, a state of mind, a habit of the heart, dispositions that allow us to come to God in humility because we know that only He can do for us the things that we need. In that sense, growing up is not about getting older either. Growing up is about maturing. Growing up is about increasing in our relationship with Him, getting closer to Him. Peter will tell his uh, audience, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, continue to long for spiritual milk, like babes, so that by this you may grow in your salvation. So it's a good thing to grow up. But growing up also has some challenges. Growing up can become problematic when growing up happens because we want to be independent. Growing up can pro become problematic when growing up is about self-sufficiency. I now can take care of myself. Growing up can become problematic when growing up leads us to disobey, leads us to pride and arrogance. The children of Israel went through that. And we find in Hosea, God will be crying when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called them, the more they run away from me. David also grew up. And we find after the sin to he sinned with Bathsheba, God will send Nathan to him and said, David, I took you, I anointed you when you were such a boy. I gave you King Saul's kingdom. I gave you this. I gave you that. I gave you this. And if it were not enough, I would have given you more. What have you done this and despised me? You took. You took. You took. And when this happens, God grieves. Jason Upton, in his song, Remember, captures the heart of God as he grieves for his children who have grown up and run away from him. He captures the heart of a father who longs for his children to come home, who longs for his children to be brought home. Listen carefully and reflect on these words.
the unknown but you What memories does God have of you? What are the memories of your childhood are sweet? What are they bitter? God is inviting you to come to him as a child. He's inviting you to trust him, to depend on him. He's inviting you to be generous, generous to others, to think of the impossible, because only he can do what's impossible, to expect him to do something miraculous for you. He wants you to come to him because he wants to create memories, memories that he will cherish for time and eternity. Memories of carrying you, memories of dancing with you, memories of caring for you. He wants you to grow in your relationship with him. So by all means, 
Grow up. But grow up like a child. By all means, grow up. Grow up, but be a child. Because He is our Father. And He loves us. Wants to care for us. Wants to be for us all that He wants. And wants to provide, protect, and cherish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you because we can call you Father. Thank you because we are your children. Give us the courage to humble ourselves and accept your authority over our lives, your rule over our hearts, so that we can live as your children in obedience, in dependence and trust, in humility. Give us what it takes to believe in the impossible because only you can do it for us. And help us to continue to journey with you so that those memories of childhood can be cherished and we can benefit from your guidance and protection. And now go in the grace of the Father who can and will do for us more than we can ever think or imagine because he can do the impossible and he wants what's best for us. Have a good day.